Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show. Uber producer and voice of the Sioux Falls Sky Force, Dan Peters, is off today. He is prepping for the game this evening as the Force takes on Santa Cruz, which you can listen to here on Information 1000 KSOO. I think uh, the, sh- the game starts about 7, 7-ish. That's, that's when the Sky Force usually fire up, so you're going to want to tune in for that game. So we're going we're gonna to do this solo today, except I have a special. I, I'm going to take you out through the work week here with two hours of lively conversation on news, politics, sports, nature, science. There's some inspiration and hope in there. It's going to be fabulous. But I have a very special treat this hour. No Dan, but the Buffalo Maiden of Weird Friends fame is in the studio with me right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's a long way from the Black Hills Bureau. We're going to make the most of her appearance. The Buffalo Maiden will be my co-host for this first hour of the Patrick Lally Show. Ms. Maiden, well, what do you think of the opulent studios here at KSOO? Oh my gosh, Patrick, it is fabulous here at KSOO. I'm having a great time so far. Yeah. I can mark you off my, uh, what do we call that, the bucket list. Bucket this list? This has been a bucket list to do this live with you. Yeah, to be in studio. In studio. It's a little different than being on the phone when you can just walk around your restaurant out there in Custer. It is, and still cook and, and clean and, and you know clean the toilets and stuff like that. Hopefully yeah. they won't ask me to do that here. No, <laughs> well, you better run out fast. You might be on a tight budget. <laughs> well, we are on a tight budget. <laughs> so uh, you're you're in town. Uh, right. you, you've you're of course a Sioux Falls area native. I well Humboldt. Hum- so yeah, Humboldt, that's that's but part then Sioux Falls. Yes, that's yes. part of the metro. It is. It's kind of outside the metro. I was looking at that. The homes there, it hasn't grown as much as Hartford, well, Hartford. Harrisburg, or Brandon, or wherever. I don't really understand that either because Humboldt's like three Way miles. Cooler. It's just like right there. It's Seven on the miles. interstate. Seven. Just boom, boom, and you're into town. And it's way prettier than Hartford. Sorry, Hartford. But uh, we never did get a swimming pool, so maybe that's why. I don't know. And they have a hotel now. In Humboldt? No, in Hartford. Oh, yeah. Humboldt has nothing. I mean, Humboldt has stuff. You used to be, the the cafe is gone, right? And you used to work there. At the cafe, the Humdinger Cafe and Steakhouse is still standing, (laughs) but it's not open. It's still kind of maybe a dream come true to to open that again someday. You could come back and reopen the Humdinger? Mm -hmm. That was something I was thinking years ago. But really? uh, no, that didn't work out. And you worked there when you were in high school and such? I started when I was 14. Wow. And I worked there till 17, maybe three years, three, four years. Yeah. But you. Uh, you That's c- where I learned how to cook. Those ladies were awesome. And they taught uh, everything I know today about cooking, which you are now a accomplished uh, chef and restaurant restaurateur. Restaurateur. Uh, no. Uh, what would I say? I would say I'm, uh, I'm very blessed and successful in what I do. Oh, that's good. Yeah, how's that? That's pretty good. That sounds good. So uh, the Buffalo Maiden is going to be here with us for the duration of the hour, as I mentioned, which you can go and watch live (laughs) on Facebook Live right now. But radio, I didn't get hair and makeup done. I'm kind of cheated on this, so... No, you're all right. Oh, okay. No, you, well, I haven't I been up since, you know, it's an hour earlier, so... Well, know. what time did you have to catch the stagecoach? I got on the stagecoach about 7 a.m., well, my time, which is 8 your time, so yeah. you got to remember. So you've been, you got on the stagecoach... And then we pulled over to, you know, feel the horses and give them water in, in uh, Vivian. Vivian. Vivian's an awesome place. It's a good stop. But I got to say, Chamberlain, yeah. you got to stop in Chamberlain. Their Santa Claus downtown is taller than... Um, Dignity, which is the statue out at the... What? It's huge. 
How could it be taller they, than they dignity? They kill any Christmas decorations I've seen so far in any small town. Like there's a Santa Claus in yeah, the Santa middle Claus, of town? Right in the middle of town, right across the kitty corner to the McDonald's, which I didn't stop at. And, okay, so it's... It's What's huge. it made of? I mean, I, I'm, it's made of flappy things, plastic flappy things, but it's a huge Santa Claus. And then up the ways, it's a Christmas tree, same thing, same height. In this small little town. I'm telling in you, Chamberlain, it's a road it'll trip. Just, it'll just you blow right trip. over. It probably does blow over several times. <laughs> right there yeah, on the... strapped to every building all over town. Oh, my gosh. I like Chamberlain. Uh, Chamberlain's nice. I think uh, I, I, on the interstate, I'd have to give Myrtle the cleanest city award. Really? Yeah. I spent a night in Myrtle once. Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fine. Myrtle's Some fine. Some of us don't talk about that. <laughs> Sometimes against our will. <laughs> um, so the the Buffalo Maiden's going to be here for the entire show. And it's all, it, well, it'll be a little looser. Normally, this is a very tight ship. Very, very professional show. Yeah, and so now today we're gonna we're gonna loosen up. It's it's Friday. It's happy hour edition. So it is happy hour. Thank you for this uh, lovely glass of water. Yeah. Well, we or still surprisingly bl- vodka smelling. <laughs> Well, good vodka doesn't have a smell, as you know. <laughs> um, we have got a great show for you today. Our guests include Dan Brentro and Peter Vitilio, who have an inspirational story about trying to find a cure for an often fatal disease that has afflicted Brentro's daughter, and you're going to hear all about that. Dan and Peter will be with us in the second hour. You're going to want to hear the story. It's fabulous. Uh, Thea Miller-Ryan will be here for her weekly visit from the outdoor campus. She's bringing Pat Klotzbach with her. He's a the hunt safe coordinator for the state of South Dakota. So we'll find out how many uh, people have shot, gotten injured out there by accidentally shooting themselves or others. Uh, I also have questions, as you know, about the uh, black devil squirrels that are invading the city. And uh, Thea promises she can explain that to me. Our college football analyst, Jeff Harkness from ESPN 99.1, will be with us at 4 to preview tomorrow's big playoff games. For my yotes, my coyotes of USD, and uh, somebody in Brookings. Somebody up in Brookings, the Jackrabbits, I think. Uh, and I'll have the PL statement. We, we will have, it's going to be a joint PL statement just after the break. Uh, today's topic, we've got a Stupid Man update. We got Mike Flynn and the Russians. We got Tax Bill. We got all kinds of stuff. going to be great. You're going to want to stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 314 on the Patrick Lally Show. We're all trying to get a little closer to free here on the PL statement. That's what it's all about. Personal liberty, human rights, civil rights, and how best to proceed in this wild world and the best little city in America. And I'm, we're got a little different today, as I mentioned. Uh, we've got the, the Buffalo Maiden in studio with us, and she's going to help out here, right? Is that I, how that's going to work? I'm going to help out a little bit. I'm just trying to uh, grasp you, how we're going to uh, give them inspiration and hope. That's later. Okay. <laughs> That's not us. All right. Oh my goodness! I was trying to. I was. I was researching my Bible. Sta- uh, you know. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything right yet. Okay. Well, maybe later. Um. So we've been doing the stupid man update every day for a couple of weeks now because apparently there's a lot of stupid. There men are in the world. a lot of stupid men in the world. Yes. It's yes. More there's a lot more. of smart ones like my father, but then there's a lot of. To, and and may, and possibly you. Oh, thanks. We'll uh, see. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, jury's, jury's still out. Still out. Yes, yeah. there we go. So today it's embarrassed. Geraldo Rivera apologized for his tawdry memoir. Oh my gosh, this is such a surprise. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm just beside myself. So uh, according to the AP, Geraldo Rivera is apologizing for a memoir published a quarter century ago that recounts sexual experience he says he's now embarrassed about. Uh, he, uh, of course, he uh, had to do this, I think, because he got called out by... None other than Bette Midler. Who is the diva, the queen, yes, and uh, don't mess with Bette. No, and I, I didn't, I did not know this, okay, but apparently like in 1991 or something, she was on Barbara Walters' show and made this accusation against Rivera and a producer that they uh, pushed me into a bathroom, they broke two poppers and pushed them under my nose and proceeded to grope me. Uh, yeah. And then uh, poppers is apparently a slang for some sort of alkyl nitrate. Thing. I did not offer myself up on the altar of Geraldo Rivera. So she tweeted this out uh, yesterday and asked for an apology with the hashtag Me Too. Uh, no apology from uh, Mr. Rivera in this latest. I don't know, think he's capable of apologizing. I don't remember when he got smacked in the side of the head by that. That was yeah. like, like on 2020. Now he's on uh, Fox News Channel. There was no immediate comment from Fox. Has he lost the mustache yet or not? No. And that's, that's so 70s. It, and it just doesn't change. Of course, Fox News has had their own trouble over there. But uh, it says, uh, you know, of all the revelations that have come out, this one's probably the least surprising. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. The, the mustache really? alone. Yeah. When, when you roll that mustache, you, you know, it's hard to think any other thing other than the sexual predator. <laughs> yeah, that one doesn't break my heart no. so much, except for the fact that it, the Bat Miller was the. Um, was on the other side yeah. of all of this. And, I, and I didn't know all that. I didn't awful. know about that. And Barbara Walters was, you know, uh, in the interview too. So this is 1991 yeah. at the interview. This is coming back from 1970. It, wow. it, this is just getting out of, uh, it's just crazy. And uh, enough is enough, I yeah. guess. I, everybody's got to But resign. I do want everyone to know out there that I did check all the locks and I'm safe here. There, you can get out of any door in this uh, radio station. I just wanted to make sure that was kind of a... You can't uh, get in, but you can definitely get out. Yeah, you can get out easy. You just can't get in. Man, yeah. they have security everywhere. Um, so the tax bill, they think they got the votes to pass the tax bill. They uh, uh, threw a little uh, coin around for everybody who was upset. Uh, they put the property tax deductions in the Senate bill and sweetened up the uh, breaks for some businesses, got a couple more votes. Susan Collins from Maine, that's who they got, and uh, maybe the guy from Wisconsin, Johnson. So they're looking good on that. I don't, it, they still got to get it all uh, uh, you know, reconciled. Yeah, go through it's the not reconciling. Yeah, right, right. It's so not we, happening yet. I, no, and uh, the president says he wants to sign on Christmas Eve. Big present for Americans. Isn't that sweet? I think so. He's always thinking of everyone. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna do something. They, they just have to. They don't have any choice. So we'll see if it's good, bad, or you know, neutral. But I, I have concerns. I have concerns mostly about the sunset thing. Where in twenty twenty seven, they all come, all the tax cuts come back for middle class people, but not for businesses. That's what I don't understand. And I know why they had to do it because of the deficit. But if you, if you're gonna bust the deficit. I don't like that part of it. Uh, Rex Tillerson dismisses, dismisses reports he'll be ousted as laughable. Um, you know, I still, I think, usually it's a, uh, uh, you can tell the veracity of the information by the degree to which the person refutes it. So laughable is pretty strong. Re, re, uh, well, so refute. is moron. Didn't that word come out of his mouth too <laughs> did, at one did. point? He did call the president a moron. Which, um, but you know what's interesting is they are sending him on a overseas trip. He's going over the pond 
uh, in like four days for a while. So Just, that kind of makes me uh, question whether he'll be coming back into yeah, the well, country. I, I think they're going to give him till after the first of the year then. Whack. They'll come up with some reason for him to ex- exit gracefully. I think he wants to at least get a year in. Yeah. what he said. I think so that's So that would fair. be July, wouldn't it? July. No, the January. January? Yeah. Was he January? Yeah. I thought it was July. No, okay. it's January. All right. Well, uh, on the other side of the state, it's July. <laughs> We're a little the, slower out there. On you the know? other we side of the state, simpler. it's July 1978. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, you know. They and I saw that the president tweeted out not so long ago that they work very well together. So, you know, sure. lots of denials on this story that's sourced by everybody in the world anonymously. I, I like Tillerson. I, I've kind of grown to like him. How could you not? He's the only one that's like, you know, calling calling people out, calling people morons when they're when they're a moron. Yeah, and he seems to be like even keeled, you know. Mm-hmm. Like somebody you actually could trust. He does, but isn't he oil? He's big oil, isn't he? Big oil. Oh, Exxon, forty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you got a you got a toe a fine line there, Pat. Fine line. Yeah, I, but I I've grown to like him. I was skeptical, and I I was surprised. You've grown to like a lot of people we didn't think you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. <laughs> That's I don't even know. Totally what, true. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, no. we'll discuss that later. Yeah. Uh, so, and then the big news today, this is the big news. So is the, of course, uh, Mike Flynn, he, uh, all in one day came out that he had pleaded guilty. He went into court and that they had a deal. He pleaded guilty and I don't know, maybe he's already been sentenced. I, I didn't see all the news. I don't think he's been sentenced I don't think he's yet. been sentenced yet. If, uh, that's you know, all. That's listening all. to the radio on in the stagecoach, it was kind of, you know, it was hard to hear, but yeah. I don't think he's been sentenced yet. He uh, also agreed to cooperate with the Mueller probe, that's special counsel Robert Mueller, which focuses on Russian meddling in the 2016 election and possible coordination between Russia and Trump's team in the campaign that sent Republican businessman to the White House. Uh, obviously, um, they, they're, you know, over and over and over and over and over again. No contacts with Russia, no contacts with Russia, no contacts with Russia. I don't know what you're talking about. Who, why are all these Russians in my office? It's... <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I'd get a little nervous at this point of the game uh, if I was anywhere near any team. Um, yeah, I would be a little nervous. I think people are going to start getting a little more anxious, a little more excited. Uh, this says court papers make clear that Flynn knows the identities of at least two members of Trump's transition team who were intimately aware of his outreach to Russian government officials in the weeks before the inauguration. Mueller's prosecutors did not reveal the names of the officials, but it indicated they were senior and within Trump's inner circle. Ooh, That's not hard I, to figure out. I, <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. ooh, But I'm not naming names. No. No. <coughs> Jared Kushner. I think, <laughs> I think that this, I mean, it's not good. It just, and it's not good. And it's been going on too long. It has been, it's been four years, hasn't it already? Yeah, we're very close. Um, it, I, you know. So the t- here's our tally for the oh, first I year of the yes. Trump administration. <laughs> two felony guilty pleas and two have been charged. So I think everything's going pretty well. We're, we're on the right track, yes. Yeah, but, you know, the fact that uh, Flynn has turned uh, pretty quickly is not a good sign. I think, the again, the problem here is not so much the contact with the Russians, but the lying about the contact with the Russians. What they, what they got Flynn on was lying to federal agents. So they came and asked him, said, uh, uh, did you uh, have any contact with the Russians? He goes, me? Russians? I don't know what you're talking about. And then they say, uh, here, we have you on tape saying, or we have papers or emails or whatever it is that they have, all of the above, saying, here's your conversation with Klesiak 
or whatever. Whatever, however you say the name. <laughs> and, and the thing about it is that, so what he did was allegedly, from what I could read in a couple other sources, he reached out to and they basically said, why don't you back off on being upset about these sanctions against Russia uh, so that we can, you know, let things calm down because, you know, they uh, meddled in our election. Clearly everybody says they meddled in our election except for Donald Trump. So the Obama administration says you shouldn't have done that here. Whack. You got some sanctions. What do you think about that? Putin and, uh, Putin's all mad, but then the Trump people, while before, after they were elected, but before they took office, while Obama was still the president, went behind his back and uh, uh, negotiated a deal with the Russians. Next day, Putin comes out and says, no, "We're not going to do anything. We're good. It's fine. <laughs> we're good. Don't don't worry." And then Trump tweets, "I knew you were a smart man. I, come on, mm-hmm. come on. That's." <laughs> But have you seen who is running against Putin? Have you seen this? No. She's a former play, uh, Russian playmate who's going after him. Really? It, yes. It's going to be, I wish I could pronounce her name, but I'd have to probably say bless you. The Russian, uh, the Russian, the Russian playmate. Woman. Yeah, the playmate. She's going out. She's running against uh, Putin. She wants to make changes. She's changing. Uh, so this will be like uh, right up Trump's alley. Yeah. Uh, a little playmate there. <laughs> now, what, when you say Russian playmate, was she a Russian that was a playmate in the Playboy uh, a arena? version of... Uh, or was it the aver- Russian it, version of... She's got a Russian side to her, yes. And uh, quite well known, I believe. Okay. Yes. Well, that's that's interesting. But it just, yeah, I just saw that the other day. So she won't be with us much longer. She won't She'll be meet with us with... much longer. She's <laughs> going to be with a lot of uh, other people. She's going to meet with some unfortunate circumstances, Yes, I'm she sure. will, soon. But this is, I mean, you know, what's next? It's just uh, obviously... Well, what's next is every t- every story we talked about today, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. <laughs> oh, there's a lie. Oh, wait, a lie. Um, I, I don't understand why people think that it's okay to lie in our life. Just tell the truth. How difficult is that to tell the truth? And then if you get caught, resign. Right. That's I'm, I went down the list yesterday with the with the uh, stupid men. Franken, Conyers, Moore. Oh, my gosh. Uh, who, I don't, if You're all not these, saying Garrison. Well, he's already whacked. Yeah. So, uh, and Lauer, gone. Yeah. Uh, uh, Charlie Rose, gone. All the, I know. Anybody Heartbreak. in news and in media or entertainment, they're, get, they're done. Close the door, where, take their keys. How do these men, how do these line men look at their mothers? How do you look at your sisters? How do you look at your wives? How do you look at your daughters when you're, uh, I just, it just blows my mind. So Roy Moore, he's still. Roy, my he's, fave, yeah. He's looking, uh, he's looking like he might win that election. Oh, and down gosh. there in Alabama. Well, Alabama, you know. vote for Alabama. Yeah. So the, the we'll see how who, that goes. We'll see if the Senate, you know, I, John, even John Thune says, get to, get out. Finally, yes. Well, I mean, he said it. He, he told us. Well, here's, it. yeah, I mean, at least Thune, you know, he has a wife, a mother, of, you know, daughters. Uh, yeah, yeah. At some point, start uh, looking at yourself in the mirror before mm-hmm. you open your mouth. You well, need a mirror you. in here, Pat. <laughs> You don't have a mirror. No, I definitely need a mirror. We got to get you a mirror. Uh, I mean, a big mirror. <laughs> that is the bottom line on today's PNL. Uh, and uh, agree or disagree, you can email me at patrick at kso.com and I'll forward them to the Buffalo Maiden. Uh, <laughs> or follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show. We don't have email. 
No, not out there. I'll, I'll send it to you a post. Okay. I'll put it on the stagecoach. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 333 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And this is for the woman who doesn't like well, I tried to make the Rolling Stones. So we went with this. I got so nice. damn depressed. Mm-hmm. I set my sights on Monday And I got myself undressed You know, I, it's America, of course, Sister Golden Hair. I've, it's like a, that's a sort of staple in my life as a child of the 70s. Oh, well, yeah, probably. A child of the 70s. You were children of the 70s. I am a child of the 70s. We were more the bread, best of bread. Best of bread was huge. Moody Poos. Yeah. And then once my mother discovered... Pink Floyd playing in two different speakers, and that was what played in our house. Your mother was listening to Pink Floyd? She was a, yeah. I I don't think she quite understood it, but yes, she was listening to it. We had a huge speaker system, JBL. Only one of eight in the world, I think, left. And we got from Gorley's years and years ago. And uh, it played, bounced all around the room. It's awesome. That's pretty cool. Your parents have always been kind of audiophiles, haven't they? Yes, yes. Well, that's uh, Sister Golden Hair, and uh, that, of course, brings in the Buffalo Maiden for her usual segment here on Fridays for oh. uh, Weird Friends. Right. I should get up and start pacing in the back of the... That's how like you, you, I usually do. You're normally moving around on the phone. I am moving around out on in the your phone, restaurant. and then I'm breathing hard. Uh, usually, I could probably do that right now. This but. is much better fidelity. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, and as usual, I want to remind folks that we are uh, live on Facebook as well, if they want to go and watch and you know comment, as people have been doing. Yes, it's nice comments. We've got some uh, uh, craft brew ideas. We do. We got great craft brew ideas and, uh, on the side of the state. Because we might, we might be out craft brewing this evening if you're out and about. We might. Yes, we should probably just take the show on the road. Oh, all night long. That's a good idea. <laughs> I think we'd be good at it. Just go mobile. I yes. like it. Um, so Buffalo Maidens here, and uh, came across on the stagecoach. Uh, how was the how was the ride, by the way? Well, th- this is the first time I've driven that in a very long time where the wind didn't blow you, all, you know, and the horses and the tails yeah. up in the air. But uh, it was it was so smooth and quick and fast and so beautiful. This South Dakota, uh, people have to realize how beautiful our state is, how lucky we are to, to live in South Dakota. Yeah, but right now it's just like kind of a barren wasteland because it's, it's brown. It's brown, but it, but it's a but you know it's not sagebrush brown. No. It, I, there's life. I mean, there's people out there. There's yeah. ranches and there's cows and there's you know uh, uh, unfortunately pig farms every now and then. And then there's the um, my favorite are the hunters walking around yeah. in wide open fields and they're orange, which I think they want to change the color to pink. I heard somewhere that would be awesome if they changed it to pink. But what I don't get on the East River side of yeah. the state is yeah. why you need to hunt. You put a deer stand in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> what, what is that? How is that hunting? Well, the, the now, in the Black Hills, we have tens of thousands of acres covered in, you know, pine forest mm-hmm. and forest. And then you're out hunting and you're climbing up hills and you're going down hills. Mm-hmm. Here, you put a deer stand in a cornfield. And you just wait for the poor deer How to come How is that by? not fair? I mean, the deer <laughs> has worked all their life to try and fatten up and be, you know, and survive. Right. Survival of the fittest. Right. Well, survival of the fittest isn't sitting in a deer stand. <laughs> With a big rifle. And probably a fifth. And a fifth. (laughs) 
or, or, or the, do- you know, the dogs and the, I don't know. I, you know, I just, it was just kind of interesting for me. I think that people need to, if they're going to hunt, make, I mean, it's the hunt. That's mm-hmm. what it's fun. It's not sitting in a deer stand. I like, uh, I like the idea of the British hunt, you know, with the dogs and. Oh, I don't like the dogs. I know the sound is good and the horses, but geez, that doesn't seem fair. And that's a walking thing, you know. Well, that's walking. Remember the two fat ladies, the the women that used to cook? The two fat, shoot from the hip. (laughs) And they would shoot their quail and and then bring it home. And then they would just rip it apart and show you how to cook it. And it was always with streaky bacon, which is fat bacon. And and shoot from the hip. And everything had a pound of butter in it. Two fat ladies, they were on public TV. They both died. Oh. I don't know why, but um, I mean, they were older. <laughs> they were older, but they were brilliant chefs. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and apparently a pretty good shot. Really good shot. But you know what? They went out and they actually, you know, had to go through the trees and climb over fences and to, to kill. Was yeah. it British? British. I have no problem with hunting. I, uh, you know what? If you're well, going to you use Custer. the whole, whole animal, I, that, that uh, you know, people use, an, you know, we hunt. Well, I don't hunt, but we use the whole animal. I don't have a problem with hunting. I just think make it a hunt yeah how's the bison supply by the way oh it's um you know what i we're gonna we're, my i have two uh hanging right now and that's it for uh for uh for a year at least because we had such a drought i don't know if you know that south yeah. dakota had a drought we maybe oh, here not on here the east side of the state you people don't pay attention to droughts but a uh, huge major drought and so buffalo are fine we they just don't fatten up when there's a drought I see. Uh, and it, you can't afford to feed, you know, a herd. When so, you're not going to feed them corn. That's bad. No. And our buffalo are on 19,000 acres. So they're, they're fine. They're, um, you know, they're grazing, but we're not going to force feed and, and to have buffalo. So again, this happened before when I was in Sioux Falls and people didn't understand mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, when there's a drought, you don't have the animals. So then you have to go without. So you have two right now. Two hang so that will get us through. Probably, we'll have to uh, save them for the summer oh. tourist season. So when do I come out to get my tenderloin? Oh, that's I have all that. I that I keep. You know, that's golden. I, I know it's hard to get. Yes, that's that's it is hard to get because there's only two on every animal, and then you have five hundred or six hundred pounds to a thousand pounds of other meat to use. So how many uh, steaks do you get out of? One, eight, one tenderloin. Nine, usually about nine. Wow. So, so 18 portions, which is a night in a restaurant. That's amazing. But it is it's so, so good. good. Especially when you make it. Christmas. You could come for Christmas. Christ- Speaking of Christmas, Christmas, yes. Christmas presents. Yes, what'd you Christmas get me? Christmas presents for the Black Hills. You know, A number one, top of, top thing. Well, maybe we should start with the top one. One is I think everybody should start ordering their chocolates from Chubby Chipmunk. Oh, it's so good. So good. She's so good. A chubby Chipmunk, if you have not indulged, is worth In Deadwood. Your time. And they have an outdoor like vending machine. So if you get there after hours, how brilliant is that? It's a good idea. Aren't they are they still in the uh, hotel Alex Johnson as well? I think so, yes. So you can just so. stop there. That's easy. Yeah, but it's not that you gotta go to Deadwood. No, it's better I mean, you gotta to go get to Deadwood. To Deadwood. It's up in the hills. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is, uh, if you're looking for sparkling, Belgelais, which is a local um, sparkling wine house. They grow their grapes out of Bellefouche. They do a brilliant job. Me. We went there. Oh, that place. That place is awesome. That place is awesome. I think I bought you some champagne for our sparkling wine for we whatever did. reason. That was outstanding. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, it's brilliant. What's that place called again? Belgelais. So uh, Belgelais, um, what is that? You know, f- five years of French. 
and I'm uh, very you happy, do. beautiful, happy. <laughs> you're, beautiful. you're really beautiful after you drink that brew. <laughs> I'm beautiful, happy with this champagne. <laughs> yes. uh, but they have great wines, white wines. They're white oh, wines. Oh, yeah, them. yeah, very brilliant. And it's, that's, we were all over that day. Where, where is, is it in Sturgis? It's in Sturgis, outside yes. of Sturgis on Van Ock or uh, Canyon Road, which is un- probably one of the most prettiest drives in South Dakota that uh, isn't on Facebook, hopefully, or isn't social media up <laughs> because it, it's it's so serene and so delightful. Yeah, and I when I think of Sturgis, Especially you know, after you've had some sparkling wine. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of Sturgis, I always... I tend to avoid it just because well, of the whole... Well, you can't avoid Sturgis because of the Knuckle Brewing Company. I know. And we went there Top too and it was notch. Good. And they make a beer called Fear No Dark that if you are lucky enough to even taste, even to put a drop on your finger, uh, it is out of this world. Outstanding. Well, that, you see, you make Sturgis sound so good. Two places, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The rest of it, not so nah, much. Nah, not so much. No, Custer's where I like. I like Custer. Custer's so. coming along. Are there gifts down there in Custer? There is. You know, we have Paul Horstead, who is actually a native of Sioux Falls. I didn't know he was. Here. Yeah. Um, he used to be a, a photographer for the state, but he has been doing throughout the last, uh, gosh, I've known him 20 years now, these books, then and now. And this one just came out, and it's uh, the t- like the 25 oldest national parks, which is really important right now, considering our um, current administration uh, wanting to get rid of parks. But the, the pictures are uh, then and now, and it includes Wind Cave. Um, it includes uh, uh, the Badlands. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Yosemite, uh, places in Hawaii, uh, the parks in Hawaii, uh, different ones. But the book is so well done. And the, it, He did the cu- the Custer book. The Custer book, right. Yeah, which which is, was the same sort of thing, then and now. Then and now, That's right. It's amazing work. It's amazing. And, uh, in fact, we were trying to geocache the other day and find the George etchings in the rock and i'm like it's over there but you know as i made people walk up mountains and i just watched um did you put that on facebook <laughs> no never on facebook okay that's never good. never on social media you got to find that baby and but you this be book is awesome and if you i don't i believe i would imagine he's coming to sioux falls you should catch that because it's it i just the pictures are phenomenal um, the then pictures, uh, how they took them uh, is, is crazy. And the, just to see the, how the similarities are still there, the trees are still there, maybe they're taller. Mm-hmm. Um, destruction, like there's some destruction in some yeah. of them, which is kind of interesting. What I liked about the Custer book was seeing how few trees there were yeah. in the Black Hills yeah. when the exhibit, expedition got here. That's amazing. So they've got these old Custer photos, and then Paul goes and takes photos in the same place, and you're like, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, like the, there'll be a stump of a burnt tree and it's still there, you know, 100 years later, 150 years later. Um, there was a, they were doing prescribed burns when I left this morning on the stagecoach. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, we got to burn, you got to clean up. Yeah. Um, we are going to come right back with, uh, we got Thea Miller-Ryan coming in uh, for the, uh, from the outdoor campus for her weekly visit. And she's got Pat Klotzbach with her. And we're going to keep the Buffalo Maiden in here because... I want to hear her thoughts on black squirrels. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And it's 346 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Little Dwight Yoakam. I've been trying to find the right music to bring in our weekly guest, Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus. And I I think we've hit it. I think we've hit on something there, little Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, that's outstanding. So this is the time of week when we talk to folks from the outdoor campus, and Thea Miller-Ryan is here. She is the 
director of the outdoor campus, which is part of the game fish and parks. And she always brings a guest. And today it's Pat's Pat Klotzbach. He's the hunt safe coordinator for the state of South Dakota. Mr. Klotzbach. Thanks for being here. Yeah. This is uh first time. So I'm excited. Yeah. Well, you should be, cause this is, you know, this is big time. Oh, yeah. This is high level professional AM radio. Well, yeah. I listen in, so I know. That's outstanding. So, uh, first, uh, the thing we got to we got to get take care of some business here first. Uh, the uh, the the black squirrel invasion. What's that all about? Well, you've been seeing them in a, in the park as you ride your bike through, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, they're they're basically just another version of the fox squirrel that we have all over town. It's called uh, it's a melanistic trait, and it just means that their skin and their fur. Um, turns out black. And so I, I saw one the other day. I thought it was a little skunk. I was like, what the heck? Well, they're devil squirrels. <laughs> they're devil squirrels. <laughs> I like that, that all squirrels are devil squirrels. Yeah, well, it's, no, <laughs> these these things are primarily on the south side of town, though, it seems to me, like on the southeast side of town. And there's getting to be more and more of them. And they weren't yeah. here before. Yeah, um, we have a lot of people that will do a live trap in their yard and then come to, let's drop it off at the park. Oh. That's a great idea. So, it's like an invasive species. Right, but there will be more because they're genetically dominant. Um, black, black is dominant, so they're definitely going to be more in our neck of the woods here. So it is an invasion then, as I've been calling <laughs> you it. You could call it that. Yes, the black squirrel <laughs> invasion is upon us. Right. <laughs> um, it's freaky. I'm not going to lie to you. When you see them, it's freaky. It's still freaky to me because you see this little black thing moving around. You're like, ah. Oh, it looks like a skunk, doesn't yeah. it? Just minus the stripe. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, so there you go. That's the explanation of the black squirrel, black squirrel invasion. We don't have them in the West River. No. No. Do you have any squirrels? Because mostly we the cougars tiny, get them. Right, right. Yeah, they don't, they don't last very long. Very <laughs> small. Everything's smaller in the, in the Black Hills. Yeah, otherwise very, they get They look eaten. like chipmunks, but they are squirrels. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen those little things. But do you guys still have those horned rabbits? Remember those? (laughs) (laughs) Those were terrible. Talk about scary. We don't have those either. That was like a herpes on the... Yeah. (laughs) That was weird. I saw one of those and it did freak me out. It's pretty freaky. Genetically mutated. Yeah. It was bad. Um, That's what they should do to Gerardo. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, There we go. Um... (laughs) from a previous segment. Uh, Mr. Klotzbach, as we said, you're the hunt safe coordinator for the state. This is the time of year when people um, accidentally shoot themselves and others. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, the, with all the hunting seasons coming, um, part of my job as a hunt safe coordinator is to uh, keep track of all the hunting incidents that happen in our state. Um, and so what I do, um, we're part of the International Hunter Education Association, and that's in all 50 states. And they keep those numbers to you know, compare to other states to see where we're at. And, uh, and South Dakota, we rank up there actually with all the other states um, with hunting incidents that happen here. As in bad or as in good? Uh, 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 you know, I wouldn't say bad, but yeah. it's not good. You know? <laughs> so, so. I heard one the other day, and we hear something like this every year. So a, a guy's out hunting with his dog, and the dog steps on the gun, and shoots the guy. Yes. That Why, uh, this seems like a, 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 a million times odds of happening, and yet it seems to happen all the time. How does this happen? Pat? Well, you know, they, it happens because a lot of times they forget that maybe their gun is loaded or they get to their pickup and don't unload their gun. They get excited because they're in the field for the first time. Um, a lot of our residents or a lot of our hunters that come here are non-resident hunters who maybe only hunt once or twice a year mm-hmm. in South Dakota. Um, and so maybe the, the dog's just excited 
and you, you know you're supposed to unload your gun before you get into the or after you get out of the field before you get in the car and the gun the you know the dog might jump on your lap and hit the trigger and, <laughs> and unfortunately that does happen a lot more than you would expect i had one actually this year early this year in a, for, for pheasant hunters and so. thankfully that doesn't usually kill the person no but it could. no no but it, it really it, it doesn't kill we we've, we've had one fatality actually this year in south dakota um usually we we average unfortunately about three fatalities in in south dakota per year from from hunting incidents but our hunting incidents could be uh you know a heart attack in the field that is considered a sure. hunting incident oh, okay but um Unfortunately, we had one this year, and we have a lot of people that are, you know, self-inflicted. It's, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens, but it does happen. You mean by accident or on purpose? By accident. Okay. By accident. Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, it know, also happens. It does happen. That also does happen yeah. on our field, too. Did, so. Is that, when you, somebody, this is kind of morbid, but if somebody dies, if shoots themselves on purpose, while they're hunting, does it go into your statistics? Yes, That's so yep. strange. Yep, we they're, they're categorized into two different um, categories. One a while you're hunting, and b um, other. So other could be all sorts mm. of different things, Got like it. at a trap range or just shooting, you know, plinking. Just how many something. people accidentally shoot themselves or others in a given year? Um, we average about twenty to thirty actually, and throughout the state, like the, I was just looking at the statistics. The highest are in Texas. Um, that's about fifty or so. Um, in the whole United States, there's about 402 hunting incidents that happen every year. So, and, and we have 20 to 30 of them. That's and quite a few. We have 20 to 30 of them. A lot of it. So when we have our non-residents come in to pheasant hunt, mm -hmm. um, usually it's not just like a small group of people. Usually there's, you know, five to ten people in a field right. walking, and you're supposed to stay in a line, wear wear fluorescent orange or hunter orange, and stay in your zone of fire. And what happens when people see a pheasant for the first time? You know, when they're out here hunting, they swing their, their gun, not controlling their muzzle, and, and, and accidentally fire in the other person's line of, uh, line of fire. So, and hit them in the head or something. Isn't well, there a know, safety switch on these guns? Like, <laughs> yeah, isn't there yeah, something? Yeah. So w when you're wa we, always, we always stress safety. You know, number one thing, there's no such thing as a safe gun, um, even with, if the safety is on. There's no such thing as a safe gun. So we stress, you know, only take your safety off right before, you're supposed to, right before you pull the trigger. So when you're walking in the field, some people don't don't follow that rule. Right, you and forget. You forget. Like right. sometimes I forget to turn on somebody's microphone. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. I mean, you can't turn a food processor on without it all being connected <laughs> properly. They yeah, can't make a right. gun work like that. Well, there's even guns. I mean, if you know, think about your your grandpa's gun or great grandpa's gun. There, a lot of them are built without even safeties on them. My Red Rider BB gun. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, it, it, we have a lot of our incidents. Yeah, they're non-resident. We do have some that are resident. Mm -hmm. um, we had a couple of people shoot themselves in the foot getting in and out of their pickup, mm -hmm. you know, and that's considered a hunting incident. Are you required to take the hunt safe? Is there a hunt safe class yep. Yep. and you're required to take it? Yep. So part of my job, um, we have about 400 and some volunteer hunt safe instructors, which is wonderful. We have a wonderful base of instructors and they teach a 10 to 12 hour hunt safe program. And when it, you can you can only take that at the age of 12 in South Dakota, and once they pass that, they're allowed to purchase a license. Now, at the age of 16, you no longer need a hunter safety card in South Dakota, so you can purchase any license. So if I want to go out hunting, which I've never had a hunting license, I please I, don't. I've been hunting, but I was not. If it comes carrying. across the desk, say no. <laughs> 
that's a good idea. No, we want but you. Are no, you, no, are you packing? We want him out. Yeah. We Our want funding you. for Game Fish and Parks and for yeah, the Outdoor right. Campus comes from the sale of hunting and fishing licenses in South Dakota. Well, they have this class, too. I like the fishing license for you, Pat. Yeah, Although that's probably There is a right. hook involved. <laughs> but we, we did have, we had uh, somebody on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about they have this class where you, the locavores. Right. And you go learn how to hunt and then how to fix it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's how to, perfect. How to cook right. it. Perfect. Right. Yeah, so that would be good for you me. You should get chefs involved with that. Yeah, they, I we think do. they do. We have oh, you chefs, do. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's great. They should do it at the outdoor campus west. Is what they should do. Maybe they, they, they do, do it there too. It's well, there. Now you, you got to get involved. I got to get involved. Dude. There you go. And There's you're never, else you're to do. never, you're never. It's never too late to start hunting. And That's it's, right. It's a fun sport. You, it you is. Know, it's you go out with your friends and. and I just I, I don't mind going out. I I just don't like. Killing I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. You can shoot with your camera. Come out. That's what I. Head. That's what I love to yeah. do. Come I out, really do. Come out and take pictures. There's a lot. That's what a lot of people do. You yeah. know, they go it's out awesome. with their, their friends and do it's that. The experiences uh, are out, outdoor heritage. That's right. I know. I love that. Uh, if I need to find out more about Hunt Safe, where do I go? What do uh, I do? So you go to our GFP or what is gfp.sd.gov, and you go to our Hunter Education tab. And on there, they have all sorts of stuff on there about hunting incidents, uh, where to sign up for hunt safe classes, uh, classes for the outdoor campuses, mm-hmm. all sorts of different things. So. Outstanding. Well, Pat Klotzbach and uh, Thea Miller Ryan from the outdoor campus and the game fishing parks, thank you very much for coming in. It's been really fun. Thanks for having yeah, us. This is fun. Thank you. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we really don't have much time other than listen to a little dire straits and tell you that uh, Christmas at the Cathedral is coming up 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th. If you want to get in on that, go to just Google Christmas at the Cathedral. I don't have time for the details. Uh, coming up in the next hour, Jeff Harkness will be here to talk about college football playoffs and uh, Dan Brentro and Pete Vitilio. Have a great story to tell. And the Buffalo Maiden's leaving. Uh, Five seconds. Thanks for being here. Bye. Thanks for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And our next guest. Hailing from just across the hallway at 6'2", <laughs> 6'4", with the afro. Yeah. Mr. Jeff Harkness at Hi, ESPN 99.1. Little little cliche with the uh, with the Thunderstruck, but that's okay. Ah, well. It's the 90s all over again. Yeah, it's a Skyforce game all yes. over again. Yeah, it's, they use that basketball. <laughs> we, I played that because it's another big weekend yeah. of college football playoff Action. How cool is this? Regardless of whether you're a jackrabbit or a coyote, mm-hmm. how cool is it that the first weekend in December, both teams are still playing? And both have a legitimate chance to win, Yes, right? they do. Absolutely. So the coyotes will hit them first because yes. I watched that game last week. and That was an interesting game. Crazy game. Oh, my gosh. Last play on the goal line yeah. and and uh, uh, the, the Louisianians fumble. Nichols. Uh, yes, they did. Yes. And, and we win the game. Yes. That was nuts. <laughs> Uh, but we played pretty well. Mm-hmm. A couple of plays. I mean, there was a pick six that really let them back in. Right. Uh, other than that, pretty solid. Um, the defense is clearly not what it was before the 
suspensions. Yeah, that's true. You I mean for people that don't know, the Coyotes lost two starters in the defensive backfield because mm-hmm. of rape allegations. Those players were essentially kicked off the team, mm-hmm. and so you've been going with backups at that position. They're getting better, mm-hmm. and they're going to need to be at their absolute best because they're going against the number one offense in the nation right. this week. Let's go back to last week's game first, though. One troubling sign: the number of penalties especially in the second half, Mm -hmm. they shot themselves in the foot so many times Mm -hmm. in that second half. They had one uh, conversion on third down that would have essentially helped them win the game at that point. Gets called back for penalty. The next play, Chris Trevler gets sacked. Now they've got to kick it away. Uh, There there was also some horrible officiating, too. I mean, it was very, very poorly officiated. But the Coyotes found a way to win, which is something they had not done. Mm -hmm. The problem with this team, Patrick, was they were forcing turnovers earlier in the year. They were not taking advantage of them. They did. They forced those two uh, turnovers right away, turned them into two touchdowns. And that was the difference between the Coyotes of, say, three weeks ago and the Coyotes now. And they they were playing from ahead most of the time, and that makes a big difference. Absolutely. And so they go now back to Texas and play Sam Houston which is a, a very good team. Yeah, same conference as Nichols yep. in the Southland Conference. And throttled Nichols. Yes, and this is, like I said, the number one offense in the country. But guess who's number two? South Dakota. Right. These are the only, this is, this is the, 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 the real key to this game. These are the only two teams in the country at the FCS level that average over 500 yards a game on offense. Wow, could be just a... It's, it should be unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah. And now, Sam Houston, it, so it's going to be really on the Coyote secondary. It is. Uh, to they're going to have to rise up and play a great game here. Yeah, Jeremiah Briscoe, the quarterback for the Bearcats. And by the way, that's with a K, Bearcats. Because that makes sense. Of course it does, because it's Texas. You can do that. (laughs) Uh, Jeremiah Briscoe, their quarterback, has the second most passing yards in FCS this year. He's thrown for nearly 4,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. Wow. So this is not a running game. No, and he is a stand-back-there-and-throw-it kind of guy. He's not like Chris Strebler, who's going to pull it down and beat you with his legs as much as with his arm. This guy's going to stand back there. So USD has got to get some pressure on the quarterback, and that's going to be the key in this game. And their defensive line, they have been, they've got a lot of sacks this year. They They, do. They've been a good rushing ball club. The problem is when the the quarterback would uh, uh, scramble a little bit, they're always finding guys open. 38 sacks for the Coyotes in 12 games. Darren Greenfield has been very good at that. Mm -hmm. They've had some other guys that have stepped up lately. They've got to get some pressure on the quarterback. If you look back to that second interception they forced in the game against Nichols, it was all about quarterback pressure. It's all yeah. about getting a hand in the face, making a guy uncomfortable. If they can do that tomorrow, they have a, ch- a legitimate chance of winning yeah. this game. That'll be a good game. Then uh, the big game here in the state, South Dakota State's first game in the playoffs this year because they got a buy. They're yep. playing uh, Northern Iowa up in Brookings. It's going to be a beautiful day. It should be a huge crowd. Mm-hmm. But you and I beat the Jackrabbits early this They were year. the last team that beat South Dakota State this season. They beat them on Hobo Day this year. The problem for the Jacks was they turned it over twice in the yeah. first quarter, and before they knew it, they were down 17-0. Now, the rest of the game, they played pretty much to a draw. In fact, they had some, some, some real highlights in that game. But when you're digging yourself out of a 17-point hole, two things. You've got to abandon your game plan, mm-hmm. which the Jacks had to do. They had no running attack. They had 56 yards of running, I think, in that game. And it gave Northern Iowa a chance to just run it down their throats. They ran it 60 times against the Jackrabbits that first time. That's not good. And and their running back, Weimiller, Marcus Weimiller, had been hurt. That was his first game of the year, his first touches of the year. He had 174 yards in that game. Really? So they're going to really have to find a way to not only uh, stop turning the ball over, but but somehow corral this running game. And when since that time, you and I, who started slow, Yeah. Now, they have a kind of a flip schedule where they play a lot of hard teams early and then 
it flips over and they get the easier teams late. That's just how it worked out. But they have basically run the table. They're playing great. UNI has this history of scheduling a very tough non-conference schedule mm-hmm. and then stubbing their toe along the way and then needing to go on some sort of run at the end of the year. They've done it mm-hmm. two or three times now. Mm-hmm. So this is like right out of their playbook where they need to get hot at the end of the year, and they've done that. They had that win against the Coyotes mm-hmm. in Cedar Falls, which they should not have won. The Coyotes right. turned it over three times in the fourth quarter in that game. And so you and I, this is the rust versus rest thing. Who do you want to be at this point? Do you want to be the team that sat back, had Thanksgiving with your family, got a couple of days off last week, had a chance to really relax and maybe get healed up a little bit, or do you want the team that has momentum? And let's face it, you and I throttled Monmouth last week. Yeah. There was no contest in that game. So they've got, uh, they've got, they're on a roll coming in. Yep, they're feeling very good about themselves. Um, the fact that they have won in Brookings this year gives them a, they know they can do it. Yes. Now, you hate to think about having to do it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just feels like the odds are against that. Yeah. But you know that you can do it. It's not like going to North Dakota State. Now, the, <laughs> you know? now the one thing that's, and you can, again, throw this out, there's a good news, bad news situation. You've got the Coyotes on the one hand preparing for a team they've never played before mm-hmm. and all of the uncertainty that comes with that. Or you've got the Jackrabbits and the Panthers now who know all about playing each other. They play each other every year. Mm-hmm. They've already played this year. They played back in October. Would you rather go against something that's familiar to you or would you rather go against the unknown at this point? I guarantee you the Jackrabbits aren't talking about it a lot but there was a lot of discussion behind the scenes. When the brackets came out, they looked and they said, if you and I wins, we get them in the second round. They're ro- they were rooting for you and I. Mm-hmm. They want another chance against the Panthers because they want to show they were not that team that really, really looked bad on Hobo Day. Well, and they've, they've gotten better. They have. Uh, they've been looking very good. Uh, uh, Teron Christian. 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 Yeah, yep, yep. I always say his name. Yeah, Teron Christian. Yeah. Teron Christian. Yeah. He has really put it together recently now it when he doesn't play well they don't play well right they don't have i mean he and those two great receivers they have yeah winicky and and goddard yeah when those guys are hooking yeah they can Mm -hmm. score a lot of points and here's an interesting thing taron christian did not play well early in that game because you and i came out with a different defense Mm -hmm. than the one the jacks had scouted against and that threw taron off in fact one of his picks early in that game they had a they had a fumble on a punt and then he threw an interception it was because he was looking what he what he thought was one defense when in reality they were showing him another one. So again, there's that gamesmanship going on between teams that know each other. How much do you switch it up this time of the year? Mm-hmm. And how much do you just say, look, here's our best, beat us? Right. Um, I imagine there'll be some little tricks. Oh, and, sure. You, you always have to do that oh, to yeah. try and yep. throw the quarterback off. They know they have to do that. But the, it doesn't seem to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but the, the Jacks you haven't been able to run the ball very well. They have not been no. They have not been consistently good at running the ball. Uh, part of that again was the UNI game. They got behind so badly they didn't have a chance to really establish it. They've got guys that can run the ball. Mikey Daniel, who's a kid from Brookings, has is, is, is been solid. Brady Mangarelli, who's a senior this year, one of their captains. Uh, this is a kid that that has the capability of doing it. The Coyotes are the same way. The Coyotes mm-hmm. have a running game yeah. sometimes, but they quit running exactly. They just yeah. stop. They got Mike Frederick. They got Kai Henry. I mean, Strebler certainly is is capable of running the football. But the, the game situation has got to be such that you can actually do that. Mm-hmm. And last week, they just got themselves in a shootout against Nichols. Yeah, they, they just quit running. No. There was a yeah. couple of uh, quarterback, mm-hmm. design quarterback runs, but that was it. Here's the other thing with Chris Trevler. He was wearing those gloves because yeah. he had the hand injury. Yeah. I asked Bob Nielsen when I talked to him this week, the coach at, at USD, I said, so where's the situation with Chris and the gloves? He says, I don't think he needs them anymore, but yeah. he's comfortable wearing them now. Right. And so he's going to wear them. And remember... 
They're playing out, outdoors for the second straight week. Yeah, right. it's in Texas. Yeah. But the Coyotes are not accustomed to playing outside. No. In fact, I don't think they played outside at all the, the last month of the regular season. No, because everybody's got domes now. Right. Um, Jeff Harkness, he is our football analyst from ESPN 99.1 College Football. Uh, great day of football tomorrow. We look forward to it. Hopefully, we'll be able to have you back next week. Okay, 2 o'clock, both games, ESPN 3. This is Pat, the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And I, uh, I'm very happy to have in the studio today uh, Dan Bruncho and Peter Vitilio. Vitilio. And they've got this uh, fantastic story to tell about Mr. Brentro's daughter and uh, what is turning into a very interesting research project. First of all, gentlemen, thanks for coming in the studio today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much you. for having us. So let's start. Uh, Dan Brentro, you are a, uh, a local attorney, Sioux Falls attorney, and your daughter, you got into this uh, uh, voyage, this odyssey, because your daughter uh, came down with Friedrich's ataxia. What is Friedrich's ataxia? Now that you've, uh, you've uh, uh, learned about it and studied it, what is it? Sure. At, at, uh, at the most basic level, uh, Friedrich's ataxia is a protein deficiency caused by an, a genetic anomaly. And so uh, she's walking around with maybe a third of the normal protein levels that, that you would have. And that protein deficiency uh, prevents her nerve and heart cells from repairing themselves. And it causes uh, her to uh, lose muscle uh, and coordination. Uh, it causes her to lose heart function. And uh, it's often associated with early mortality in, in patients' 20s. So when did you, your daughter is 16 now. Your daughter is uh, um, Reina. She's 16 years old. When did you first know that she had uh, Friedrichs? It was about five years ago that her pediatrician noticed that she had something unusual about the way she walked that wasn't quite mm -hmm. uh, balanced. And so they sent her for various tests, various specialists, and uh, eventually uh, Dr. Kruer at the at Sanford Children's uh, clinic diagnosed her with Friedrich's ataxia. It was his his initial guess, and then they have to send it out for a uh, a DNA test down to a lab in Oklahoma, and that was the longest seven weeks to wait for that to come back, and uh, that's that's when they confirmed it. So during this time, when you first learned that that's a possibility, uh, you're a father. What did you do? <laughs> I uh, I'll first tell you this: the the first thing that happens. In a moment like that is, you know, we, we get the diagnosis all as a family and, and hear, uh, hear the news. And, you know, Raina's trying very hard to make sense of it. And we're trying to help her with it. And uh, the, the meeting lasted maybe two hours with Dr. Kruer. And uh, afterwards, we go outside and we're waiting for the valet to bring the car at you know the front of Sanford. And her mom asks her if she <laughs> wants to sit down while she waits. And... Uh, with the, the most positive attitude, she says, no, I'll stand while I still can. Mm. And so I think that kind of set the stage for how, um, how I wanted to approach this, which was to be positive about it in, in as many ways as we can. Um, you know, the first couple of years after the diagnosis were very uneventful because, it, you know, only her pediatrician noticed something was wrong. It's not like anybody else could tell there was anything wrong with her. Um, but she, you know, slowly started losing motor function, and uh, it became harder and harder for her to 
to walk, especially in crowded hallways at the school, uh, harder and harder to use a pencil, harder uh, to type. Um, And, you know, it's now at the point where at age 16, she can't paint her own fingernails. Uh, She has an unsteady hand when she wants to take a selfie. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's starting to impact things on a, on a, much more profound basis, and she spends part of each school day, uh, you know, in a wheelchair because it's just easier to get around. And where she go to school? Uh, she's at Lincoln High School. She's a junior. And uh, I should introduce now Peter Vitilio, and uh, Mr. Vitilio is a scientist with Sanford Research. Um, first, what I want you to do, Peter, is tell people uh, from your perspective how did you get involved in Friedrich's ataxia? What, what, what? How did it enter into your life? Yeah, so this happened around the same time uh, Dan had mentioned uh, Raina's diagnosis around five years ago because my laboratory, I don't have any expertise in Friedrich's ataxia. However, a lot of times uh, these diseases that seem like they're they're distinct from one another are actually sometimes the, uh, the effects move through the same um, molecular and cellular pathways are dysfunctional. So I mm-hmm. happen to be studying antioxidant enzymes that are present in all of our cells. And somebody from the Mayo Clinic who studies Friedrich's ataxia um, made a discovery that this, that this gene deficiency Dan talked about for this, uh, encodes for this protein called frataxin, that it actually binds to one of these antioxidant enzymes my laboratory studies. And we thought that was something novel and interesting. And there also happened to be a uh, partnership between the Mayo Clinic and Sanford. So it sponsored a year's project uh, between our laboratories to validate some of that work. That's pretty interesting. So um, you, uh, at this point, you guys don't know each other, right? Back in 2012, no. No, when you got the diagnosis in, in 2012, neither of you had ever met. And it's uh, uh, pretty interesting. And we're going to come back after this break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, how you guys got together and where this is going. It's, a, it's pretty interesting stuff. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And we uh, are continuing our discussion with Peter Vitilio and Dan Brentro. And they are two guys who have gotten together um, in pursuit of, um, I don't want to call it a cure, but a solution or a research on Friedrich's ataxia because Mr. Brentro's daughter uh, was diagnosed with Friedrich's when she was 16 years old. No, she's 16 now. This was 2012. She was 11. And uh, and we've sort of heard about the backstory there. So tell me, Dan, you're now you have the diagnosis. All right. And now you know what it is. And it's essentially you're thinking my daughter's going to die in her 20s. What what do you think at that moment? So my my first thought actually was uh, not about death. It was more about her her wedding. And I was thinking I'm going to roll her down the aisle and that's sort of the way that I came to to terms of what we're dealing with and um you know it's 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 a death sentence for for some kids and not for others uh some of these people are able to live longer uh and I I like to think on the positive side but what my next step was was to start researching and, and reading everything I could find about it and uh and we actually we got on a plane to Philadelphia to the world's uh leading research center uh at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia uh, and uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Lynch out there met with us for you know a generous two or three hours to 
explained the disease to us and, and gave us a lot of hope about what the research is, is bringing. And so I left that meeting and I left that, that first summer uh, very you know, optimistic about where the research was headed. Uh, unlike a lot of rare diseases, Friedrich's ataxia's mechanism was discovered uh, 20 years ago. You know, some rare diseases, they have no idea what they're dealing with, where this one, they figured it out in 1997, and they've been trying to, uh, ever since, find a way to, to use the mechanism to, to, to harness a cure. Um, and, you know, so for the first couple of years, you know, like I said, she, she wasn't, uh, symptomatic and, uh, the next, uh, the next year after that, we actually found out about a study that showed very promising, uh, potential outcomes. She enrolled in the study. She, it didn't work. Uh, you know, there were maybe four or five weeks worth of the study where she seemed fantastic, but it just didn't have long-term effect. They canceled the study and that was a year ago, uh, I think next week. And that, you know, was like a punch in the gut because that was the one thing that, uh, I think we were all hoping was that even if it's not perfect, it's at least something that could pause the disease while we find the thing that's going to work. And without the pause button, you know, we're, we're sliding. And so for the next several months, uh, it was just kind of thinking maybe we'll open up our email one day and find out about the next study. And it, it just hasn't come yet. There mm-hmm. aren't other options out there. They're, they're doing work, they're doing research, but uh, there, isn't, there isn't anything. Meanwhile, what's your, when you're going through all this, how's it affecting your family? How's it affecting you and your wife? And you have other children, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I like to say that every family has its own struggles and challenges, and this one is just ours. There's nothing magic about this disease making our family any different. And so for the first few weeks uh, after the diagnosis, there was never more love for, for Raina than, than uh, right then and there. And But after a few weeks uh, of that, you start getting back into your normal routine and, you know, she, she, you know, talks back to you and she <laughs> needs to be put in time out or whatever it is. Uh, and you know, you go back to being a normal family and just making the most of, of what you have, just like everybody. And it's one of those, those struggles. And at some point you, uh, figure out that there's a guy in town <laughs> at Sanford research. Uh, tell us about that, how you guys, uh, you two, Peter Vitellio, and who's a scientist at Sanford Research, but not necessarily in Friedrichs. We talked a little bit about that. I, how do you get together and say, hey, maybe we can do something about this? It's a random series of events. Uh, back in September, uh, I signed up for the Sioux Falls Half Marathon on a whim because I've always wanted to do it. Ran it after three days of, of what I call quote unquote training, yeah. which was mainly eating spaghetti <laughs> and resting on Saturday. Uh, and I had so much fun doing that that I wanted to sign up for a full marathon. And I, I talked to my cousin who has done this 10 times over. She convinced me to, uh, that it was an okay idea to run the, the full marathon in the Twin Cities three weeks later. Uh, and so I ran that. And during the process of training for that, uh, discovered that there was a group raising money for Friedrichs Ataxia. And so this was like you know, a great thing to do. Uh, we raised uh, $30,000 leading up to the Twin Cities Marathon. And uh, it, it all went uh, to the, the FARA uh, Fund for general FA research. And it was just a very rewarding experience. Uh, but, you know, it left me at the, at the finish line realizing this isn't finished. And... Um, the, I want to do more. I want to do more than just, you know, run for $1,000 a mile. 
Uh, I want to have more people running with me and I want to raise enough money, at least in my mind, the idea was I want to raise enough money to fund a study here in Sioux Falls. Mm -hmm. We've got Sanford Laboratories or Sanford Research over there. Uh, Surely they can do something. And that's not how it's supposed to work. Like you don't just show up at the front door of a research facility and say, hi, would you please uh, cure my daughter's disease uh, and here's some money. But that's exactly what, what happens next. So somewhere along the line, Peter, uh, somebody says to you, hey, I know this guy and he needs help. And you're a scientist, you're a researcher. How do you just say, okay? Well, you know, the kind of interesting part of the story, too, with our with our chance meeting here was that guy happened to be the one person uh, who was in my laboratory um, five years ago actually working on this project. So he was the only one that really had that information uh, that uh, we were working on something towards Friedrich's ataxia at that time. And because he was doing some other work at Sanford through our uh, coordination of, uh, of rare diseases office, he had gotten connected with Dan and said, you know, my lab, we did some of this work. Maybe there's value in you guys talking together and uh, talking about what was done then and seeing what we can do now. And uh, like Dan said, a kind of a random series of events, but the right dominoes fell and you feel like you have to pay attention to those cues and you might be onto something here. But you don't, in the world of research, you you know, there's all this other research in Friedrichs. Do you just call them up and say, hey, we're going to hook on with you guys. Is that all right? I mean, how does that work? It's a tough area. Definitely uh, people have their uh, their niches claimed and it's hard to carve out something that's truly your own. Um, but actually the world of research, especially in rare diseases, is uh, it's amazing to see the collaborations that occur uh, all around the world because these rare diseases, it's something that is difficult um difficult to study because maybe they don't get the most attention um they don't have the most funds behind it but the families and parents uh you know reina and dan uh, you know the patients behind it uh, motivate the researchers to overcome those boundaries and figure out ways to work um so dan and i've been working on talking to those other friedrichs ataxia researchers um around the world and those leaders and kind of what we found and does it have a place moving forward and what, when he came to you, when you met him the first time, when you guys got together, what did you tell him? Because here's a, here's a dad, and all he wants to do is save his daughter's life, and you're, you're a researcher. What do you say? You know, I, I have the Ph.D. after my name for a reason. I, uh, I interned at a hospital in college and found out I really didn't like being around sick people and families. However, I still had a passion for health and medicine, so the research lab was a natural fit for me. Um, you know, the only thing that I did when talking to Dan was just try to be honest and sincere. Um, and he did the same. And uh, we've just been kind of working with that over the last couple of months. And the progress we've been able to make has been amazing. Um, however, you know, I still think, you know, what do we need to do logically? What kind of baby steps do we need to take on the project? But we're definitely finding, uh, uh, kind of finding uh, uh, compromise where we could take baby steps and then maybe do that critical experiment that's going to tell us, is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And so, so what you guys need now is money, right? I mean, you talked about you raised money with the uh, uh, marathon up in the Twin Cities, but you need more money than that, and that's what's next, right? That's so right. what are you going to do? So what, uh, what we did was set up a fundraising uh, platform uh, on the Internet 
the website is www.thefinishline.org. Uh, and uh, it is designed to allow anybody to go on there and help contribute to this effort. Uh, essentially, what we're doing is crowdfunding mm-hmm. rare disease research, which wow. is not something that's normally done. There's no. there's channels by which people can normally, you know, access funds, but they're they're slower and they're uh, not as suited for what we have for this, which is an immediate need and a, a project that is shovel ready. Uh, Dr. Vitiello can start. Uh, you know, as soon as we've got the funds closed out. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how this is going to happen and, and what the challenges are ahead when we come back with uh, Dan Brentro and Peter Vitiello. And uh, it's a great story. We're going to push on. Uh, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing a really fascinating discussion here a story that of, of really chance and hope. And uh, we're talking with Peter Vitiello and Dan Brentro. Peter Vitiello is a uh, scientist with Sanford Research, and uh, Mr. Brentro's daughter has been diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia. And uh, how they got together is, is what we've been talking about. Peter, so you meet Dan, and you hear this compelling story, and you say, you know, I've done some work here on Friedrich's, but you still got to go back. You got a boss right over at Sanford research. And how do you broach this with them and just go back and say, I'm going to do this over here. What do you think? Yeah. And the tough thing too, is I had to convince myself first, uh, running a research lab is running a business. Mm -hmm. So I had to really, uh, kind of consider, you know, uh, how this would affect the business I was running. Um, but then certainly, (laughs) I think that was the biggest threshold. Uh, my bosses are very supportive of this. Uh, I've been working at Sanford uh, for eight years and really had uh, an opportunity to help establish kind of our identity of who we wanted to be and what we wanted to do. Um, and a major part of that has been rare disease research. Uh, it was the interest of um, several of our kind of founding scientists coming in. And uh, we even have a, a database uh uh, it's a registry of rare disease patients called the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, CORDS, that works with patients, families, and foundations and scientists to try to connect the right people together. Um, it just happens that, you know, Dan happened to be lurking right under under our nose right yeah. there. <laughs> so, and uh, we've talked to Dr. Uh, David Pierce, who's the head of Sanford Research, uh, a while back, and he's talking about the CORDS database. It's really trying to create something that doesn't exist right now, which is that just a massive database to just try and connect people kind of like you guys connected in a different way. But that's that's where you're headed, right? That ability to connect everybody together. Exactly. It could be for uh, patients and families just looking for answers um, from the proper experts. Maybe they're at Sanford, maybe they're not. Um, putting them in the right direction in terms of what kind of clinical uh, trial opportunities there are. Because, again, these rare diseases... Um, they, they definitely seem few when you talk about them one disease at a time, but collectively, um, there are a lot of people affected by these rare diseases. So these sort of coordinated efforts between our registry through cords at Sanford and our scientists and other registries and scientists and uh, uh, foundations that support rare disease research is something that's uh, creating a really unique network to help help people get to where they need to be to get the best possible care. Um, Dan, so you guys have connected, you've got, the, you're saying, yeah, you know, we, we can try and help you out. Um, how did you, so you, you decide I'm going to raise money. 
How did you decide? You know, your your goal is seventy five thousand, right? Right. How did you decide on seventy five thousand? I mean, I uh, I asked Doctor Vitiello to write me up a detailed budget about what he would need to start the project, yeah. and he spent uh, two or three days going through all of his numbers and came back with seventy five thousand four hundred and six dollars uh, for research staff, including a full time uh, lab tech and part time supervisory role. Uh, you know the the reagents, the chemicals, uh, ordering the lab mice from Jackson Laboratories, uh, the consumables. I mean, it's it's down to the last penny to, to show what he thinks it's going to take to do this over the next twelve months. So it's one year you you want to fund it for. You started a crowdsourcing uh, fundraising effort at thefinishline.org. dot um, org. What other what other sources? I mean, where are you asking people for money? What how are you doing this? Well, when we raised money the last time, I pestered people on Facebook for two weeks straight, and so I'm sure I'll try that again. Uh, but we're just gonna, you know, ask people to to get the word out to to share this. Uh, you know, we launched it on on Tuesday, which was Giving Tuesday, uh, to try to get some support uh, that way. And leading up to you know Christmas, you know, my goal is to do this in three weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Vitiello is ready to do this the moment we we get to seventy five thousand dollars. Um, you know, I, I think that we'll be able to just push ahead until we, until we get the right number. What was your, how did you tell your daughter that you had made this connection? You were going to do this? Well, she was there. Um, you know, she went to the meeting, Dr. Vitiello, uh, wanted to meet with both of us. And so she sat there at the table and, and, uh, and Pete, uh, you know, got his pen out and started sketching what it was that's going on inside our cells and nobody had ever done that before uh explaining what this disease is doing and then uh that's when he kind of led into what their study had done five years ago Mm -hmm. which was to discover that there's this this enzyme uh that uh they think is sort of like a a custodian for our cells Mm -hmm. cleaning up the toxic toxic uh, byproducts inside the cell and that in her cells, for some reason, the custodian doesn't work right. And, you know, up until now, uh, and even today, most of the research and the efforts related to Friedrich's ataxia and a cure are trying to solve the problem that she has a protein deficiency, meaning they're trying to find a way to increase frataxin uh, in Raina's cells. Mm-hmm. And nobody is uh, looking at what this could look at, which is, the idea that if you could increase this PRDX3 enzyme, instead of trying to magically create more protein in your cells, if you can just make the enzyme more active, uh, maybe you can cure the disease. And, you know, the amazing part, you know, when I sit back and look at all this, and, and Dr. Vitiello can tell you more, is that this is not unique to Friedrich's ataxia. This PRDX3 enzyme and that process is something that relates to potentially dozens of other diseases. And uh, if we unlock this one we could unlock a whole bunch more uh peter when you're talking with dan obviously he's done all his research um but he's a dad and do you have to sometimes say to him you mentioned earlier you don't want to you don't want to give people false hope but you he's obviously very studied a smart guy he comes in and says hey have you this this have you looked at this 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 and every once in a while i have to say it's okay we're gonna be okay here 
Yeah, yeah. Dan uh, consumes the science. Yeah, yeah. I'm convinced that he has a board in his house with all these uh, scientific papers on it that he's reading <laughs> and little strings connecting them together because uh, he eventually has to cut him off himself off from emailing me based on what he's reading and <laughs> thinking about based on our work. Yeah. Um, but he's really excited about uh, the possibility that our findings are could connect some of the dots here and uh, actually uh, be beneficial to uh, to patients such as Raina. Um, however, I do have to kind of always kind of you know, remind him and have that uh, kind of logical approach that I would take with uh, the rigor of being a scientist. Well, we have to kind of prove this before we get to this next part. Um, we're taking a science uh, discovery, something that was done in the on the lab bench, mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out based on the discovery, could this affect some of the. Um, um, some of the symptoms uh, that are, are seen in Friedrich's ataxia in a, in a human, you know, that's a big leap. There's a lot of steps to take. So I've been talking to Dan about what those steps are and, and when, when do we do uh, kind of the logistic approach? When do we go for a home run here and try mm-hmm. to test something big? Everything's moving very fast. Is, this seems highly unusual. How hopeful are you that you can do something in a year that, gives you reason to continue. Yeah, I think the one thing is, since we were working on this project five years ago, um, you know, we were at a place where we had made an interesting discovery. Um, now we just got to see how relevant is this to uh, to the disease. And I think we're in a place where uh, a lot of the other Friedrichs ataxia researchers, other things that have been investigated, we're in a place where we can test that pretty easily. Um, it may not be a clear yes or no answer and require further testing. Um, but this is why we do this work in the laboratory. We're going to do the best with what we have. And I think what we have right now is going to get a, get us close enough to say yes or no within this next year. Is this something we can continue to take and move an idea that we can, uh, you know, bring a possible therapy, you know, uh, to patients based on, uh, based on this work. We'll, We'll find that out. I think in the next year, Dan, do you think you can save your daughter's life? Absolutely. <clears throat> this, this, the whole series of events leading up to this makes me think that this is something that's that's really got a lot of promise. Um, and you know, I, I just I refuse to believe, and I, and I, I tell Raina every time we talk about this that uh, I don't think there's any chance that science can't find the answer because of how fast science is moving. And so I, I'm not going to save her life, but there's a lot of people out there that, that know more than me that have the ability to make this, this happen. And we just need to figure out ways to support them. Uh, you know, the, the, the big thing with rare disease research is uh, that you know, there are, you know, sources of funding for, uh, for obvious uh, Obvious science. Uh, if, it's, if it's proven, then you can get more funding to to follow the stuff that's proven. If it's a home run shot, uh, that that's a long shot, like a one in ten thousand shot. There's not a lot of funding for something like that because there's just not a lot of uh, interest in it. And then uh, on the private side, if you have uh, something that's that's pretty likely to show uh, promise and and uh, turn into something that's that's a medicine that you can sell. There's money for that, but there's there are gaps in that funding uh, cycle and funding system for stuff like this that just got left in a, in a drawer uh, really by accident because of a lack of funding and a lack of instru- infrastructure, 
And, uh, and so if we, in some small way can push this forward as a catalyst, uh, then we can make uh, a small amount of dollars, you know, $75,000 here, turn into something a whole lot bigger down the road. It's a great story. Uh, Dan Brentro, whose daughter has been diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia and, uh, Peter Vitellio, who is a scientist with Sanford research, uh, gentlemen, good luck to you both. Thank you very much. And don't forget the the in thefinishline.org. If you, the if, finish if you forget the the, it sends you somewhere else. So <laughs> thefinishline.org. And we will post those links on our social media, P. Lally Show and KSOO on Facebook. So uh, thanks a lot for being here, guys. Thank you very much, thanks. sir. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 456 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. It's the end of the week, people. And we're going to go out with a little radio clash. But first, I want to tell you about Miracle on 41st Street Toy Drive. Now through December 24th, drop off a new toy, cash, donation, or item of need at the Children's Inn gift wrapping booth in the Macy's Wing of the Empire Mall. Have your gifts wrapped at the booth for a cash donation to the Children's Inn. For a list of items of need, click on our website at KSO.com. Drop-off bins will be set, also set up at the Washington Pavilion during the Tonic Soul Fa Holiday Concerts, December 1st and 2nd. A special thanks to Great Plains Dental, Great Western Bank, and XL Energy for helping sponsor this year's event. Oh, it's been a good week. It's been a great week. And it's all coming down to an end. I posted the uh, link up there for the Dan Brentro, Raina Brentro uh, fundraising effort. And uh, I hope you'll look at that and see if you can help them out. Uh, a great story. And uh, we hope for the best there. Um, I think the way they were able to turn that around is just amazing. And I, you know, hats off to everybody who uh, has really risen to the cause there. It's at thefinishline.org if you don't earn on Twitter or you just go to P. Lally Show on Twitter and you can see it there. Get that link and go over and read about their cause. Coming up Monday, Tom Kelly of Gage Brothers will be here to teach us about concrete. Yes, concrete. And how to build a parking ramp. Also, the Boon Man will be in for Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. See you Monday, everybody. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Even angels were beheld on the morning.